1: visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session.
0: Welcome to Breaking into Cybersecurity Leadership. Today's guest is George Finney. He's an author of Well Aware and Project Zero Trust, as well as a respected cybersecurity leader. George, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: First, thank, thanks for having me on, Chris. I'm really honored to be a part of your show to, to help tell my story to your community. Yeah, so I'm George Finney. I'm, I've, I've been a CISO for a while. I'm the CISO for Southern Methodist University here in Dallas, Texas. I'm also an attorney, but don't hold that against me. But gosh, security has just been an awesome... Uh, career to to find myself landing in, and you know wh- whatever it is that I'm doing. Think back to when I was a kid. You know I was a latchkey kid in the '80s, and man, I, of course, being an unreliable eight-year-old, which I my keys. I had to learn how to break into my house to to just get home before my parents got there to to be upset that I forgot. My- anyway, yeah, I think all the way back to those experiences. Wow, security has always been with me. And I think it's, I think it's the same is true for everyone, right? Security plays a role in everyone's life. And I think being a part of uh, security in the community as a career, it's just one of the most fulfilling things that I think I could have ever landed in.
0: And why did you decide to become a cybersecurity leader versus staying an individual contributor?
1: That's a really good question. I think back into my early days, I started my career, some startups. And I think back to this particular one, it's a family-owned startup. I was never going to have the ability to make a difference at this organization. Nobody was ever going to listen to the the random IT guys you know, saying things like, ah, we've got to secure these configs and, and harden our devices. They just didn't, didn't get traction. And so I think the real impetus for me is, uh, in my career, whatever I want to do, I want to make a difference. And I think for me, taking that leadership roles when I first got the opportunity, that, that was really the impetus. It was, yeah, oh my gosh, I'm actually going to be able to influence change here. It's not gonna be easy not necessarily. We've got to find ways to be successful and to help lift up our teams to be able to do that. And got, again, being able to do that in security and have success at that is, is such a rewarding thing to to be a part of in, in your career. Um yeah, I, I totally feel like I, I've been able to make more of a difference, at least for me and my unique weird personality. And your mileage may vary, but yeah, I've really enjoyed being on the leadership side.
0: And what do you think the critical skills for a cybersecurity leader think
1: humility a little bit. I definitely encourage my teams to to challenge my ideas, right? And th- th- there's a reason. And that reason is I have got blind spots, right? I don't want to create a, a team environment um, where it's just an echo chamber where everybody says, repeats what the boss says and they go do it. And okay, cool. I know uh, for sure that I don't know everything. And so when I can bring something to a team and get feedback, right? Sometimes it really sucks it, because ah, maybe, maybe I really had my heart set on that thing. And somebody pointed out like, nah, that's not the best idea. We're not really ready to do that right now. When, whatever it is, I, I think having that ability to not kill the messenger sometimes is actually really healthy. And it, it, I think that's one of the most challenging skill sets to master. But I think empathy also, particularly as you become a leader, understanding you know where people are coming from, we've all got and things we've got to deal with in terms of families or whatever challenges we face in our lives, being able to understand that and have people appreciate that you as a leader care about them as as an individual, that is something that, again, not everybody has and and can show really well. But I will say, I feel like we've had lots of continuity on my team, right? The, some of the longest serving folks on my team are 25 to 30 years. And the shortest serving people on my team are in the six, seven year category, right? So I, I think we as leaders can help solve the, the talent crisis just by being better leaders and making sure that people like where they're working, right? That's what they always say is, People don't quit their job, they quit their boss. Don't be that kind of boss that people want to quit. And I think the, those two skills, humility and empathy, are what we have. To
0: and as a leader, how do you delegate to your team? What's your comfort level? I think
1: it, it, I've had to force myself to get more comfortable with delegation, right? I, and I think that's one of the challenges with with going from being a technical person that's an individual contributor to, to, to being a good leader man, I know the way that I want it done. I can visualize it. I can see it. I've got all the skills to make it happen. That, that's going to come at a cost of, of other things. Really being comfortable handing that off. Just that one act is really hard sometimes, definitely for me. But being able, again, to let go of that and not just let someone else do it, but also help coach them up to, to be successful at whatever we're asking them to do and making sure that they're set up for success. I find that the delegation is easier when I can make sure that a person has the resources they need to actually get it done. And, you know, that again, whether it's an opportunity for coaching or, or empowering somebody to, to take to jump to the next level. The, that I think is one of the most rewarding things we have as leaders, right? That you're making a difference by sending your teams to training or believing in someone that they can do something that, that maybe they didn't have that belief in themselves. That's, oh my gosh, that, that's been such a, an amazing experience for me. I love that part of the job. And
0: collaboration, how would you describe it? How would you describe It's criticality to any.
1: Again, I think we all learn from one another. There's no, in in your job, there's no classroom where somebody's telling you all of the things you need to know. And I I think for me, as I have gone through my career, right, when I first got started, I I was a network engineer, but I was asked to be a sysadmin for the system where this guy had just left. And oh my gosh, he had secured this Linux system in ways that I didn't know you could secure the systems, right? And it was to the point where one of the things I learned from him was you can change the name setting on your DNS server. Um, you don't have to like reveal the version information of what version of bind you're running. And when I came to SMU, I just naturally oh, changed the version to SMU's DNS server. And I remember one of the security guys coming in and wow, that's really cool. Like you went to that level of detail, but it was through that kind of collaboration with different folks that you learn the best practices, you learn the tips and tricks. And again, I think there's this mythology and security that, that we're lone white or sheriff in, in the wild west locking stuff down but there has to be a way where you collaborate with others to to hone your skills whether that's through like your local b-sides or we here in dallas we have the dallas hackers association or i mean everybody in those groups right is committed to giving back you see everybody you know presenting and coming up with sharing the, their insights right that's how we get better as a community Toba so important, particularly in, in the security field to, to keep that, I don't know, tribal knowledge going. And
0: as you think about communication, how critical is that?
1: I'm a professional writer. I've written not 10 books now. So I, obviously I feel pretty strongly that communication is really important, right? Tell, telling our stories, right? If, and I've seen this actually is how my team evolved. But when I started as the head of a security team 15 years ago, um, I was told by our CIO, these security guys, it's a black box. I have no idea what's going on. And a lot of the security people I've worked with, they play their cards super close to the vest. They don't share. And we've had to break down those those conventions. And I, I found that the more I communicate, actually, the more I learn. Um, and the more partnerships you can build. It's not just my security team securing everyone at the university, it's its a much larger team effort, right? It's the infrastructure team, it's the help desk making a difference. We've embraced kind of the ship left mindset, but all of that success comes through communication, right? We have to all be on the same page and understand what the mission is, what challenges we're facing. All of that is is, is enabled through communication. And when when I'm teaching my students here at SMU, that's one of the first things I'll tell them is in your career, really the most important trait to advancing in your career is communication.
0: That kind of pivots slightly into influence. How would you describe influence and its criticality to a cybersecurity?
1: Again, going back to the olden times, you'd hear security officers pounding their fists on the desk saying, no, that's an example of whatever the opposite of influence is. And I think particularly as I wanted to work with our board or other business leaders in, in, in the community, you have to, in a way, become a salesperson, right? You've got to help, not that we're implementing social engineering techniques necessarily, but you've got to figure out how to to lead with influence rather than pulling everybody by their nose to to get them where they need to go. And sometimes that you have to embrace failure with that, right? You aren't going to necessarily be successful at influencing every time. A lot of it is about building relationships and fostering trust to to, to build influence, right? So- when I go ask for, say, budget, folks are need to be comfortable that I'm not buying every flashing tool out there, which I'd love to. We are asking for this because we need it. And here's why. And here's the whole story and how that fits together with everything we're already doing. That, in a way, I actually talked to one salesperson a few years ago, and we all feel like Sales people are the enemy; they're the dark side. But actually, he reframed it, and as this, you are the the salesperson here, you've got to do the hard work of going to get budget and figuring all that stuff out. The people with the title salespeople are facilitating the transactions. It's really the internal sales of why we need it that, that's so critical for us to have success. And man, it, what we would like to arrive at in security is being proactive rather than reactive. And how do you convince someone that they need to do something for their own good before they get hurt rather than after? It's really challenging because people have busy lives and they want to do the things that they're passionate
0: about. And not everybody is as passionate about birds as maybe you and I are. Earlier you mentioned building relationships. How important would you consider networking as a skill and why?
1: Yeah, I think in, in my book, Well Aware, I talk about this a little bit, but I think there are nine cybersecurity habits. So it's, if you've not read it, my summary is it's like Stephen Covey's seven habits for cybersecurity. And one one of the questions that I get most often is, like, okay, nine habits, that's a lot of habits, man. Like, where do I start? What's the most one important habit? And it's community. And think about the ways that plays out in, in, in cyber, right? We know the bad guys are collaborating. And how do we respond to that in in the security? We've got Information Security Advisory Councils. Every industry has that. States have their ISACs or ISAC. Collaborating is one of the chief ways that that we keep up to speed with what threats that are out there, right? A lot of security folks have quit Twitter. Well, guess what? We've moved over to Mastodon. And again, I think even if it's just networking... Uh, in the community, going to a happy hour or whatever. Again, those are the opportunities for us to to connect with others, to find out what folks are doing. But also from a career standpoint, right, those are the connections we make that can help us get other jobs and help us advance in our careers. Again, I think networking, when I started at least in in security, we we don't do that because, you know, the you know, what we might give away some piece of critical OPSEC or whatever. Oh, man, I'm not saying that's not a valid concern and you, sh- you shouldn't share your company secrets at Starbucks, but th- there are ways to do that. And I think that's that, that's something that, that I think we've gotten much more of a handle on today than we did 15 or 20 years ago. For-
0: what advice would you give to future cybersecurity? So,
1: gosh, there's so much advice out there. Definitely make connections, right? I think some of the most powerful things that that, that have influenced my career are the people that I've developed relationships with. They're, they're mentors that I can go to for advice. I'm on... Multiple text threads with different CISOs where, hey, have you heard this new breach? Have you what are you guys doing for, for Log4J or Circle CI or whatever it was? Th- those kinds of things ha- have made so much of a difference. I think definitely our our cyber program here at SMU has totally been transformed and shaped by all of those great security leaders that I've had the privilege of working with over the years. And for us, future cybersecurity leaders, um, guess what? You're gonna have that same challenge to to empower that. Future generation of security leaders, right? So making those connections, empowering people, right? We don't want the next generation after us to have to learn all of our same lessons over again. So being able to give back uh, in in whatever ways that you uniquely as a person can give back, man, invest in those, make a difference is what I would tell them. Oh, I lost audio.
0: Just a little bonus question while I have you on the line: How would you describe using zero trust? And artificial technology where you can't really understand what's, what the AI is doing, but still be able to trust it within your business processes. That is
1: an awesome question. For folks who don't know, I read a book called Project Zero Trust. And I'm so fortunate to, to be able to collaborate with the gentleman who created or coined the term Zero Trust, John Kindervag. He- also happens to live here in Dallas. Just an amazing guy, right? I've talked to so many people who he's mentored just randomly. They're like, oh yeah, John, wow, it's crazy. But you know, what John will say, zero trust is your strategy. Right. It's not any one tool or whatever. I think yeah. as we think about creating code with AI, we will just tell it, hey, right next security newsletter, we had one of our researchers create a game in under 60 seconds. So it's like a Super Mario version, right? But to think about that kind of power where in 60 seconds I can have a fully functioning video game would be, oh my gosh, what does that mean? What does the future mean for code? Yeah, I think you would treat AI in that instance, maybe you'll, maybe more skeptically. Uh, than one of your devops people it's got to go through code reviews you've got to make sure that that's a, the overall definition of zero trust is that we are we it's a strategy for preventing or containing cyber security breaches by removing the trust relationships we have in digital systems so we don't, we trust people right we have to collaborate with one another and trust each other to do our jobs because it takes a team to do that. AI isn't on the team. So that's, an, that's another digital trust relationship that we want to have human eyes actually be able to vet the code, have compensating controls like a, a CICD pipeline with testing embedded a- along the way to, to make sure we're looking at that. Are we doing the things that we would normally do, source code pen tests? Th- those kinds of things all still have to apply when it comes to, to, to AIs doing stuff in our environment. But yeah, I think the first person out there that that implements AI to I'm sure they're already doing that for the stock market right some people probably made some money that way but also some people probably lost everything that way and we want to be able to to make sure that again we contain prevent those bad things f- from happening that's our mission in life as security george
0: thank you for coming on before we leave anything next on the radar that you want to share with the public
1: yeah, I, I'm not going to read another book for a long time. Done enough of those, but my last book it was called Low And, you know, what we've done with that, There, so we, we think there are nine cybersecurity habits. Uh, habits, we know 50% of all human behaviors uh, are based in habits. And habits work like a muscle, uh, so they can get stronger. They can also get tired, right? And that changes throughout the day. But if habits work like a muscle, think of the nine cybersecurity habits as like muscle groups right? When I'm thinking about security awareness, we have this tendency to think about, we'll do everything perfectly. And again, that's from an athlete perspective, right? If you had muscle groups, that's more like a decathlete. Not everybody's a great decathlete. Some people are endurance runners. Some people are power lifters. So I think if we think of ourselves as a coach, we can help people improve by focusing on their strengths. So what I've done is I've built a cyber personality test based on the nine cybersecurity habits to help orient you with what your strengths are, and from there we, we're building training that it's like security awareness training. I mean, it's more like professional development for cybersecurity for non-technical folks. But we want you to help you find whatever strengths you have when it comes to cybersecurity and then we use that to start building momentum so you find out what your security identity is and we want to reinforce that and help you believe that you can be a part of the the organization's mission to to get more secure yeah that that, my next big thing is it's a side hustle for the time being but having a security awareness company that that focuses on habits is is, oh my gosh it's been impactful for for us here at smu i've implemented it here as well as for some other clients and yeah it's super excited about it it's really cool
0: we're looking forward to it thank you for joining us everyone and have a great day. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business